Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of our Lenten podcast on the book of Isaiah. Uh, today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 42, the first nine verses. So if you're following along at home, get out that Bible and turn to chapter 42 in Isaiah. And let's go ahead and, uh, and read through these nine verses. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not fail or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. To open the eyes that are blind, to bring the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. All right, thank you all. So uh, here in chapter 42, we've got uh, basically two chunks, two sections, uh, verses 1 through 4 and then 5 through 9. Let's start with uh, a discussion on 1 through 4. You know, what's the general theme here, the sentiment? Well, we're back in our servant verses, and once again, thinking about the suffering servant, but just this idea of, again, my servant, who am I pulled, my chosen, who my soul delights, that's just, you know, that sort of stuff gives me shivers. <laughs> well, and right away we get to see, like, a view of the Trinity, because you have the Father who's talking, and then Christ is the servant, and then the Spirit is put upon him, and that's the Holy Spirit. And so we actually get to see the Trinity right away in this passage. Oh, yeah. And, and again, it, it's bringing forward that sort of idea of what sort of Messiah is coming. What What is the Son going to be like? This different person, the bruised reed he will not break, the dimly burning wick he will not quench. Yeah, he will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. So it's kind of a very humble description, a gentle description, if you will. Yeah, see, I'm taking that to mean something a little bit different, because in the sermon on uh, Wednesday, which you guys haven't heard yet at the time of this recording, we're going to talk about, in Isaiah 53, the fact that Jesus is the lamb that's, as a lamb before it shears and silent, so uh, the servant will, will not open up his mouth. So I've kind of talked about it in a, even a different way, too that I'm just na naturally thinking about this as a, a negative, not crying aloud or lifting his voice or making it heard in the street. So not, not fighting the, uh, the inevitable, you know, what he was sent to do, 
Is that kind of the the theme you're going for there? Yeah, so that's the theme I'll have be going for and uh, conveyed in the sermon on Wednesday is that Jesus fulfilled that. I mean, there were authorities that were against him. Herod and Pilate were uh, trying to get Jesus to answer on things, you know, asking him to defend himself, and he never spoke up. He just kind of took it and uh, let it come over him all the way to, to death on the cross. Yeah, I can see that. And at the same time, look at uh, verse 4 there. It says, He will not fail or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Hey, we've got the word justice there again, as we've uh, tried to emphasize several times here. Uh, you also have the word justice um, showing up in verse 1 as well. Um, and, and verse 3. And verse 3. Three times in four verses. So we can tell how important this theme of justice is um, as we read through Isaiah. Yeah, and I think goes to contrast what we've been talking about earlier, is that the the people were living in a time where there was a lot of injustice that was happening, a lot of oppression. And to know that there's somebody coming who's going to be bringing justice is just this huge idea. So then we move on. Go ahead, Sean. uh, Well, and looking again at, at this idea that he's, he will not fail, that, you know, some people would see as the crucifixion as a failure, but this isn't a failure. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's a it's a triumph. You know, how does Christ establish justice by uh, being the the just punishment for for sin on the cross for all of us? Instead of meting justice out, he's taking the punishment. Yeah, I always found that an interesting concept too, because um, if you look at our definition of justice, what we deserve is nothing that we get. Um, and that's just an amazing feeling, you know, that that comes forth when you have the good news of the gospel, right? You know, that uh, if we got what we deserved, if we got true justice, we would all be for eternal damnation, right? And yet here comes this, this servant who will not cry out and not object, and yet take all of our wrongdoings and sin into himself, and uh, now we are seen as he is seen, and we get the justice that he deserves. And I think that's an amazing, you know, substitution. Yeah, oftentimes you'll hear people talking about how, like, they want a fair God. They want a God who gives good people good things, but in reality, we're not good people. And so if God was fair and gave us what we deserve, that's eternal punishment. That's hell. But because God actually isn't a fair God, he looks at Jesus and he puts his punishment on Jesus instead on the cross. And then uh, Christ takes our sin on the cross and gives us his righteousness. Then we actually get to have eternal life, even though we don't deserve it. Yeah, getting what we don't deserve, isn't that the definition of grace? Yeah, grace is good things that we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting the bad things that we do deserve. For sure. Yep. Some people have heard this. That's what I've said. (laughs) We pay attention. Wow. Yeah, that's right. From time to time, that's good. 
piece of trivia for you. Did you know that passage we're talking about, Isaiah 42, 1 through 4, it's actually the longest quotation of the Old Testament by Matthew. Mm. So Matthew actually quotes these four verses all together in chapter 12, verses 18 through 21. And it's just, just kind of stuck in there, almost in the middle of Jesus' ministry here. Uh, so just kind of a neat thing, but again, you can see Matthew definitely interprets this and invites everyone to interpret this as applying directly towards Jesus Christ and his ministry too. Yeah, and that points back to uh, what we talked about in one of our very first episodes is that one of the reasons to study Isaiah is that it shows up a lot in the New Testament um, throughout Jesus' ministry, and uh, it's often quoted by him and you know by others in reference to him. So it makes it very important to to understand these these verses and put them in context of of the gospel. Yeah, that pa- passage in Matthew is what I often call in my midweek class I tell them it's the callback because Matthew is writing to Hebrews who are familiar with this passage. So it's not a new passage to them. It's not something that they've never heard before. It's saying, hey, you know this thing that you've been hearing for hundreds of years? Here's this callback. This points to Christ. Yeah. Well, let's move on to verses 5 through 8 here. Maybe let's redo that transition real quick, Brian. You want to segue us? I sure can. All right, so let's go ahead and look at the second half of uh, these verses here, verses 5 through 9. I guess we get a little bit of a of a different theme. What what do we see in here? Yeah, in this one, I think it's talking about Yahweh's power to create, uh, his power to redeem, and then also to fulfill all of the predictions. And all of that is kind of forming a deep foundation for the servant there. We see, like we've seen in a couple previous passages lately, just the power of God's creation, right, in verse 5, creating the heavens, stretching them out, spreading out the earth, giving breath to people and spirit to those who walk in it. So definitely a lot of allusions there that hopefully will remind all of us of the Genesis creation narrative in chapters 1 and 2. Does it kind of imply a flat earth theory, though? (laughs) That it's spread out and not formed. (laughs) You can spread things over a circular surface. (laughs) Guys, the world's on the back of a turtle. (laughs) What, you mean on back for elephants on back of a turtle? Aha. Oh man, sorry, nerd moment. Okay. So yeah, we see in verse five there a callback to the creation story in Genesis. We also get going forward a reminder of the promises and the covenants that have been made uh, between God and His people. I love yeah, me some covenant theology there. <laughs> which one strike you, Brian? Um, well, it starts in verse uh, six talking about, you know, the Lord calling us into righteousness, taking us by the hand, and keeping us. And and then the word covenant is right there. You know, I, I will give you, as a covenant, a light for the nation. So now we have a, a picture that to fulfill this covenant, this light will come to the nations, which we know as, as Christ. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we need to be careful with this passage a little bit, because this is still referring to the servant. And I think we need to... Um, the Lord is speaking to the servant here, and so we have to ask ourselves a question, to whom do these words refer to? Uh, to whom is it talking about when the Lord says, I have called you in righteousness, I will take you by the hand and keep you? 
you know, is that referring to us as the people of God, or is it referring to the uh, Jesus Christ as his servant here? Kind of important <laughs> distinction there. Is it even referring to Abraham and his people, you know? I think it, be, it can be a bit of both. Um, I mean, obviously it's speaking directly of the servant, so that is Christ himself. But as we just discussed, Christ was the substitution for us. So thus that is transferred to us through the sacrifice that Christ made. True. Yeah, one, one textual note here too is that, you know, this doesn't come through in our, our lovely English Bibles, but um, there's, a, there's a footnote in my study Bible and computer software I've got that says that the word you there in verse 6 and all the times it's used is actually just the singular you. So it's not like the the y'all. I haven't. I have called you y'all in righteousness. It doesn't say that, but it says I have called you, as if he's pointing to just one particular person there. Well, there you go, pulling out your your Hebrew yeah. to uh, put us down. No, no, <laughs> put us down. You can edit that comment. <laughs> hey, this this is in English, man. This is my English footnote here. If you want, the, yeah. Aha so is the yeah the Hebrew for it. So it's but a, it makes, a it makes singular sense, though. Actually, if it yeah it's singular, but it makes sense if we continue on because let's say if this was applying to us, then would we be able to open eyes that are blind and bring prisoners from the dungeon and from the prison those who sit in darkness? That's kind of what it's calling calling that that person to do. If we look at six and seven together, right now I. You're yeah. you're also correct though, Brian, because I think there are other passages in Scripture that also share that same sentiment. You know, God has definitely called us uh, to be a light to the nations, and God has definitely called us that, and told us that He will take us by the hand. But I just don't. Yeah, I I just think that that right here, I think it's referring specifically to the servant. Because then you look at uh, verse eight. And it says, you know, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to graven images. So again, that seems to be calling out to the servant as well. Yeah, and I see that as just heightening the contrast between the servant and idols. We talked about that in the last couple episodes as well, how, how people just loved their idols and they would nail them down to the ground and make sure they weren't going anywhere type of thing. And we had some really good discussion based off that. And I think the, the the Lord is just saying to that servant, I'm going to give it to you and not these, these awful idols that are running around there too. And that points to Jesus' divinity. Unlike some people that don't believe that Christ was actually divine. This is another piece of evidence that Christ is fully God as well as fully human. Yeah, with regards to the glory that God has given to him, Isaac, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a nice contrast between these verses and the latter half that we're talking about right now and those first four verses. You know, we see here we're talking about the the power, the righteousness, the the might of the Lord and the servant in comparison to the first four verses where we saw you know, this is going to be a, a humble, suffering servant. So you've got two things in juxtaposition in one person. Absolutely. Sounds like... <laughs> it sure does. We got we got the, the suffering servant on Good Friday, and then the, you know, the big enemy-stomping, resurrected Jesus on Easter Sunday. And that is what makes the, the, uh, yeah. the description of this 
Messiah so compelling to me is that, yes, this is a truly divine, 100% God entity. And yet, at the same time, in order to fulfill his mission, he doesn't use that power. He, he shirks it off and, and becomes low for us. But then verse 9 comes, where the former things have come to pass, and the new things I now declare before they spring forth. It, no, it's it's that j- just that that idea of getting rid of the old. The new things are declared. Yeah, and one of the big things with that is the new covenant. Yeah, you know, you remember what Jesus says when he gathers the disciples into the upper room. He says, "This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood." You know, and that's that's probably the epitome of uh, an example of that. That the the former things. Uh, have come to pass and the new things are now declared. So Jesus is saying, you know, the, the game is different now. Uh, you don't have to go and sacrifice animal after animal anymore. Uh, you don't have to celebrate uh, Passover in the same way you did before, but it turns it into something new. Do you think that new covenant is possibly what they're, what um, Isaiah is talking about with, I will give you as a covenant for the people? Because if we think about that as the singular you referring to Christ the servant specifically it's the new covenant in Christ's blood so that's giving Christ as the covenant do you think that makes sense I think that makes sense oh yeah, uh, yeah. I think there's, there's similar language in Isaiah 49 uh, 49 verse 8 says in a day of salvation I have helped you, I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land and to apportion the desolate heritages. Uh, so it's, again, kind of clear again that that's one of the things that servant is supposed to do is, again, establish those new covenants or be that new covenant there, like you were talking about. Now, I don't know about you, but that'd be a cool thing in our life today. And I think we just underestimate the the awesomeness of, of things that are new all the time sometimes. I mean, I love getting new stuff, and you remember, we have such joy in our lives whenever we get something that's new. We get this box on Amazon or something that comes in the mail, and we, we open it up, and even even like new smell. You can buy air fresheners that smell like new car, and there's just something fun about that <laughs> new car smell, right? And and that's what Jesus brings to us is that gift of new things. Yeah, there, there there's something there's about the idea that we, we take comfort in that chemically smell but um (laughs) okay maybe not shauna right (laughs) i don't know i like the smell of old books you know i'm weird but um no no there is something to be said about that that this idea of foretelling this new thing that is coming that isaiah is pointing to he's pointing to this thing that's on the horizon you know, it's this idea that th- this new relationship that we're going to have with God that's in the future, but it's near. And that's exciting. I was just listening to you talk about that. That's exciting. Yeah. If I said, hey, we've got some new things at church, I bet all your ears are just going to be perked up and saying, well, what's Pastor Kim going to say? I can't wait to hear more about it and see what it looks like. Yeah. What, what, coming soon, you know? It's it's like the movie. This is like the movie trailer for Lent. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the movie trailer for the, the, the new covenant that is coming is coming soon is the suffering servant, but he's going to do all these awesome things and cause this new covenant. And it's going to be a new thing that is springing forth. Wait, I thought that coming soon was the theme of Advent. <laughs> well, for Isaiah, this is coming soon. Uh -huh. <laughs> and even Lent is like a build-up to the... I love Lent. And Lent is just such a build-up to Easter, you know. I Lent is my favorite time in the church year because it's this time of introspection, but also this time of thinking about this great thing that Christ has done for us, you know, and this build-up of excitement for it. That, yeah, we do things like some people give things up for Lent, some people, you know, go through some sort of meditation. But at the same time, it's in order to prepare us for this new and exciting thing that is Easter. It's like uh, for a while I worked at a Methodist church and I remember these little old ladies who would come up and they'd say, oh, I don't like Lent and Easter and stuff like that because it's all about, you know, dead people. And I, I always like Christmas because it's about a baby. And I'm like, without Lent, you know, the baby has no purpose. <laughs> and Easter is not about a dead person. Easter is about the fact that he's not dead. Exactly. He is not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen Ooh, indeed. Am I supposed to say that? Hallelujah. So we can't say that next It's time. okay. We can say it. Please edit all hallelujah from this podcast. You guys have anything else to add to this? I don't think so. I think we've got for a sure. lot of good stuff in here that we've covered. Well, thanks for the good discussion, everybody. Let me just share with you what we got going on here at Holy Cross. So hopefully you've been able to tune in to our internet and digital offerings that we've been having via Facebook and our, our live uh, streaming services. So we've had uh, worship going live uh, the last couple of times, and uh, it's really been neat to see and hear feedback uh, on the live services from my end. So thank you, and keep that feedback coming in from that and also from these episodes. Pastor Meyer has been leading devotions uh, every week this week at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., so we hope you had the chance to be able to join us for those. And as always, uh, continue to tune in Sunday at 8 a.m. for the live stream. I'm going to maybe go on a limb and just invite you to bring your pet to church, too. I don't often get to do that. <laughs> I got a picture from one member that said, hey, I got my two cats with me today. So maybe we should have one of these bring your pet to church weeks coming up uh, in the near future. But, yeah, it, who says that they aren't benefited from the Word of God also? Um, I don't know what the Bible says about that, but hey, can't hurt them if they... All dogs go to heaven. God's word. Thanks for joining us, and uh, Isaac, would you mind uh, leading us out with a word of prayer today? Sure. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for um, giving us this opportunity to study your word and to learn more about you. Uh, thank you for uh, helping us see through this passage what Christ has done for us, how he has um, brought justice to the nations, and how he has taken our sin and given us his righteousness um, so that we can have eternal life. Um, please be with us throughout the rest of the Lenten season as we look forward to all of the new things to come in Easter. 
In your name we pray. Amen. 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 And just a reminder, all scripture readings do come from the English Standard Version of the Bible.